Sports Beat Extra. Beats 102-103. Welcome back to this week's Sports Beat Extra with me, Kevin Galvin. Last week we returned to League of Ireland action, but it's a community left saddened by another unnecessary death of one of its most liked characters. Dundalk groundsman Harry Taff died by suicide a fortnight ago, and for mental health activist and league veteran Gary Dempsey, enough was enough. This is Sports Beat Extra. We are losing too many people to suicide and this country is standing by and doing nothing at the drop of a hat they could can produce 350 quid a week for people who lost their jobs and rightly so by the way because through no fault of their own they lost their jobs and that was brilliant why can't Dave can drop more money to help with mental health and are we doing enough probably not am I doing enough probably not is the government doing enough 100% not that video I, I sort of had only got um, really seeing what actually happened um, to poor Harry and it really boiled my blood because I mean we're doing right, as you know if you, anyone that follows me on social media I'm quite a big advocate for mental health and I, I run my own gym now I've got my own business um, I come across a lot of it you know even just in in, in, in Wicklow with, with clients that, that I would have but Obviously online, um, I don't know if you've seen when I went over, there was a little little lad in Scotland that was getting bullied and I went over to help him. Mm. I flew over to help him. and so He was a Dunfermline fan and we took him to a game and stuff like that. Sky Sports and all that covered it. So that, that area, like that area in around bullying the men, and, and the mental health, the mental health stuff. And, and the problem is, um, I was just so angry that at the drop of a hat, like, and, and like I said in the video, rightly so, that when business is closed and um, they were able to pull like millions and millions out of the bag, maybe billions. I'm not really sure what what amount it was, but it was a hell of a lot of money to make sure that people got got the pandemic payments. Um, and then all the while they're telling you that there's no money available for X, Y, and Z. And one of the areas that is clearly underfunded is the mental health side of things. And I don't know whether the government are aware or people out there are aware the avalanche of, of this the people that are struggling with their mental health that's coming down the tracks. Um, not only coming down the tracks, but that's out there now at the moment. I mean, since I've done that video, like my phone literally just has to be plugged in, charging all the time because the amount of messages um, I'm getting, I actually was talking to Harry's son and his wife and his sister-in-law and they're overwhelmed with the video and the response that it's got. But look, I've, there's people messaging saying that you know, they're, they're two years waiting to get to see a therapist and stuff. I mean, how in the name of God can there be someone with a mental health issue not get to see anybody in two years? I mean, when you look at Harry's case, Harry should have been, went to the doctor, should have been signed into the hospital like the doctor requested. And a few days later, that he's, he's no longer with us, you know? And that's like, that's just not good enough. And I mean, I don't know where we go with this. Um, I've had loads of people looking come in and do stuff with me to try and um, raise funds and, and can we, can we um, maybe organise some charity matches and stuff like that but I mean that's not going to be enough like if we if we run a charity match and we raise 50 grand realistically how much is how much is that going to help of course it's going to help but like there needs to be significant um, investment into this and it just boils my blood when there's like um, like you were saying that there's so much investment in other areas that the sort of big ones, like you look at the, even the homeless crisis, like homelessness and mental awareness, and mental health now are just just off the scale in this country, and there just doesn't seem to be any end to it. And we're just losing men in particular, and young men, um, 
when we when you know we we don't need to we really don't need to but obviously if the services are not there and these people are not getting the help that they need um it's just going to get worse um and that's my biggest fear you know so we need to do more i mean i've i've helped um a lot of people through twitter and um, when i was putting out videos before when you know i was i was sort of saying it's it's okay not to be okay and, and don't be afraid to speak up and um, you know, tell a family member, tell a friend. And I had a few people confide in me, and they've come back to me a few weeks later and said that literally, you know, I gave them the courage to speak up, and I've literally saved their life. You know, and you know, if, if we can just just based off that as well, because your your tweet here is you know it's just close to twelve hundred likes and you know a good couple of hundred retweets. Um, and I was saying just you just off air, like that whole idea of it's okay not to be okay. It's it's kind of it's a phrase that's said often, but do you think you know from a government point of view, obviously more funding needs to be done. But from a former League of Ireland player and somebody who's involved in sport and kind of can see the impact that sport can have, should yeah. those kind of campaigns should we see the likes of Jigsaw and Samaritans more from, prominently featured on particularly because you know you look at like I was saying to you it's a targeted audience you have young men who are watching GAA every weekend or watching soccer yeah. every weekend they're watching rugby every weekend so you know yeah. we, we, sh- we really should be seeing these kind of organisations linked in and for their branding to be very very prominent across the TV yeah. in all, on, on all these kind of games 100% they should be plastered everywhere but but what the problem you see is what we have plastered everywhere now is betting companies and beer companies and all this sort of stuff and that's where a lot of it can uh, stem from. You can it can stem from people um, drinking too much. You can gambling problems and and it just spirals from there. But a hundred percent them them uh, jigsaw and on PA the houses another one they should be everywhere and you know it's a crying shame that they're not because. Um, you know, these are these are the places that people are going to end up um, going to for help. But I mean, there should be surely. I don't think there is because uh, I haven't really looked at because I, I still haven't calmed down over this whole thing yet. But there surely has to be a mental health hub in every county in the country. Surely, and surely that can't be that hard to do. Surely there has to be a hub where people can go and not get turned away. Um, especially if they're getting signed in by the doctor, where they say, right, listen, come on in and and we help these people. Like the the the, the options that these people these people have, especially like you know, I don't know exactly the the hundred percent ins and outs of Harry's case, but obviously he recognised he was he was struggling. He went to the doctor, so he's done the right thing. He's went to the place where we're telling everybody to go. We're asking to speak up. Harry spoke up and still didn't get the help. Mm. So and you I mean, wonder because Harry ended up in hospital. Like you say, you know, if there was more dedicated mental health centres that somebody like him or anybody in that circumstance could end up going there as opposed to being kind of pushed into what is already a fairly clogged hospital system that takes in everything else. Yeah. It seems everything is centralised in the hospital system and then the nurses and doctors are trying to deal with this whole wide range while also trying to keep trolleys free and trying to deal with everything yeah. else. Yeah, 100%. You know, so if you had a dedicated facility that that doctor, Doctor A or Doctor Murphy, whatever, can say, right, look, yeah, you, you're under a bit of pressure. You need a bit of help. There's your letter. Go on down, and they take them in because, like, you can't ask. Like, it's 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 just madness that when you're asking people to say, like, we're begging people now, and I'm begging people. Anybody that's listening to this, like, if you're struggling, we're asking you to speak up now. If they speak up to like, if someone comes to me and says, look, I'm in a really bad place, the first place I'm going to send them 
is to their GP mm. to try and get help. Now, the GP is then doing his job and sending them to where he thinks they need to go, whether it's a mental health hospital or it's a normal hospital or whatever, and then it's stopping there. They're not getting their help. They're not getting the help that they should be getting there. Well, then there has to be something else. It can't be go home and take these tablets for a few days and, you know, and we'll see you in two years' time. Like, that's just absolutely ludicrous. Like, if you look through some of the tweets um, that I've retweeted and some of the messages that have come in on my original tweet, there's, like, some horror stories there. And it's not just in Ireland, by the way. Like, a lot, like, a lot of my followers will be in Scotland where I played um, and in England as well. And, like, it's, it's just absolute horror stories. And, I mean, there just has to be... There, there has to be more we can do. Um, there just like there just has to be. It's simple. Like I said, if they're, they're able to drop money, at to drop a hat into other services and other things like COVID payments and stuff like that, 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 that just stinks to high heaven to me that there's money there then that they can surely invest into into this because I mean this is the this is like this is people. This is real people we're talking about. Like it's not fictional characters and and good people like like by all accounts I never met Harry but by all accounts he was a giant of a man like he could salt of the earth how can we lose that man at I think what was he like 52 mm. because he didn't get the help it's absolutely crazy now uh, Harry Son who I was talking to today 20, I think he's 27 years of age he's struggling um, his wife is struggling so they need help at, at the minute like um, Harry Son was telling me the only help he's getting is from the, from the, the family it's just mind-boggling, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm maybe I'm miles off here. I don't know, but I don't know how you feel on it. And yeah, but I just think it's just it's just absolutely ludicrous. It doesn't make any sense to me at all that um, that we find ourselves in this situation, you know. And of course, if you are affected by any of the themes in this segment, you can contact Samaritans on one one six one two three. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. Dylan Moran, we have you back in studio again. Always great to have you back in. Um, Dylan, I suppose, look, it's it's been a tough, tough time for everybody, not least yourself. Um, you announced the news there a few weeks ago that PGP uh, went, obviously, they went bust. Um, there's, there's, look, there's very little money in the fight game at the moment because there's no, there aren't any fights happening, basically. Yeah, exactly. First of all, thanks for having me, Kevin. Delighted to be back in. Um, yeah, last Monday or the Monday before last, I was brought into the office um, over in Liechtenstein and PGP had to pull the plug um, all because of this virus. When it first started back in the end of February or whenever, Trump closed the borders in America. The, their their main business is the Beamer Group. They make blood transfusion machines all around the world and imports and exports had stopped and they were losing 1.3 million a month. So they just told us, this is how it is. You know, We can't keep things afloat. They um, were told they might be able to run boxing events until mid next year, if that, mm. you know, and, and that's business, you know, it is what it is. So just had to take it on the chin. I'm, I'm back home now. Um, I'm enjoying some time with family and friends, just living normal for a while. I had done 16 intense weeks back to back, you know, and no fight at the end of both of them because of this virus. So I'm happy to take a couple of weeks off and just let the batteries recharge. How was the feeling when you like when you kind of got called into the office? Were you expecting it when you were coming in? Did you kind of know it was coming or was it a shock? Um, no, I, I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. Maybe they were going to say we weren't going to this hotel before this fight or, you know, a little bit of restrictions maybe. I wasn't expecting them to pull the plug. But like I said, it is what it is and these people are business people and what has to be done has to be done. And I just took it on the chin. Um, it's not new to me at this stage of my career. You know, I've been through the gutter the whole way. So, yeah, I know how to deal with these things. A couple of weeks at home will fix everything for me. I get the itch again. I get back in the gym. And since it's happened... Um, thank God I'm blessed I have a couple of options on the table 
um, that I need to sit down with my family and, fr and friends and just run through them, see what's the best option, and we'll go again, be it this year or next year. I suppose that's the thing. You, the only thing is that you do kind of have a thick skin at this point for everything. Like, do you think that all that kind of previous experience has helped through this time? Because I saw your Instagram and you seem to be just kind of look enjoying life to the best that you can at the moment, which is something you haven't been able to do in the last couple of months, even. Yeah, that's it. Um, like I said, from from the get go with boxing for me, I, I've been through it all. Everything that could be thrown at me has been, you know. So I've just learned how to deal with these things, keep positive, and you know, gym. The, going back to the gym is always the answer. Um, at the moment, like I said, I'm just enjoying some time off, and then it's back to the gym, and we go again. But yeah, I definitely have have thick skin at this stage in my career. But um, for now, it's just easy. I like to forget about boxing for a while. I'll always be training, you know. I'm training every day, but not not as intense to do. The two training camps that I've done back to back to have no fight at the end of is a bit heartbreaking, you know, and your interest is on the floor. So these few weeks will do me the world of good. I get the itch back again and, and then I'll go back to it, back to the drawing board. What was the, what was the overriding feeling? Was it anger or was it disappointment? Um, I've just developed this attitude now that it is what it is and how can I fix it? It's happened. Crying about it isn't going to fix it, you know, and even when, when people come to me like, oh, it's bad looking, it's this and it's that. It, it is what it is. You know, how do I fix it? And always going back to the gym and that's what I'll do I'll be back in the gym sooner rather than later and, and we'll go again like I said I'm very lucky I have a couple of options on the table a few decent ones um, I still have to look over them I didn't have the head to look over them to be honest with you so soon um, but I'll get round to that we'll decide what's best for me and my team and, and off we'll go again Dennis Ilbey is obviously the guy you were, you were, you guys have a kind of a, a, a it's, it's a very funny relationship really between the <laughs> two of you they kind of there's, there's a half I feel like you're like um Almost like brothers, you know, half the time you want to have a drink and half the time you want to batter the head off each yeah. other. Um, is he still, is his camp still up for something? Is that still on the table? Yeah, definitely. We've come to an agreement. Um, there was a lot of back and forth with me and Ilbe. It's a massive fight for the two of us, you know, and both times we were we were both training. Me and Ilbe were involved in it. We were both training to fight each other twice and, and it didn't happen, you mm. know. So heartbreaking for the two of us. I'm sure he's taking some time to relax now. But we've been in touch. Both teams have been in touch. That fight's made. It's on the shelf. You know, I don't want to fight anybody else other than Ilbe. You know, his promoter have the belt that I want. Um, they've given me their word. They want to fight just as much as I do. The German people want to see it. The Irish people want to see it. It's a big fight for both of us and whoever wins will progress a lot. So whether that fight happens this year or next year, I'm not really bothered, to be honest. It's made, it's on the shelf, and I'll be ready whenever the day gets set. Um, how have you adjusted kind of life back home? Um, because I see you spent, obviously, so much time away, and you were kind of so used to that, and then you kind of had to readjust again coming back. Of course. Um, being away in Liechtenstein, you know, it looks great and all that, and it's a beautiful part of the world, but it was really, really tough. You know, the tra my trainer, Georg Bromowski, he doesn't do, do things by halves. 16 weeks, you know, Monday to Saturday training, an hour session on a Sunday morning. We didn't even get Sundays off, so it's very extreme. Um, and you're in that regime then, you know, your mentality develops to that and to come home and just have nothing to do every day. Yeah. It's hard to, to get back into it. The first week was a bit of a struggle, but now I'm easing back into it, you know, and I'm enjoying myself and the head is relaxed a bit, you know. Um, like I said, I'm getting around, I'm meeting up and seeing everybody a couple of nights away here and there and um, still tipping away in the gym. And once I decide where I'm going next with boxing, I'll be back in the gym full time and hopefully get a fight day scheduled. I suppose that's the thing, though. Like, you know yourself better than anybody else. And there's kind of no better people, really, when something like that happens to have kind of family and friends around you. Because it kind of makes you realise what's what's really important in life, especially with everything that's going on at the moment. Without a doubt. I love coming home. You know, I absolutely love it. And being over there, the lads were all able to go home on a Friday evening and I wasn't. You know, I, I was stuck in Liechtenstein on my own Saturday and Sunday and... You know, it gets to you. It, it does get to you. You know, you get lonely. And, but that's all part. I knew 
when I decided what road I wanted to go in boxing, that it wasn't going to be an easy route. They were going to be tested, tried many times, and, and that's what's happening at the moment. Promoters pulled out, you know, shows cancelled. I was expecting, I knew all this was going to happen, and I'm just in the process of that, you know. There's no easy route to where I want to go to, and I'm sure it's probably going to be more difficult in times to come, but all I can do is keep positive, keep training, and I'm sure I'll get there at some stage. Yeah, well, look, I think I think the boxing karma owes you a fair amount yeah. of his point if there is <laughs> such a thing. I'm due uh, a good turn. Yeah, you are, exactly. And uh, you look like the, this Ilbe thing, I suppose it's great that it's still on the shelf. Um, you said that you're kind of talking between different promoters, like, you know, is, do you have an idea of whether where it's going to take? Is it still going to be in Germany? Because I know the original fight was supposed to be in Germany. Is that still the plan? Or do you know where it's going to... Or is that way off in the future to worry about? Yeah, um... When the news broke, when Peak Line broke the news to the media, I was off walking up to the woods and the offers started coming in onto my phone and me and my trainer were looking at him, Bromovsky. Obviously, I'd like to stay in Germany, that part of Europe, and he's working on that for me. Um, he'd have good pull over there in that part of the world. He's a very well-known trainer over there, so I'd like to stick with Bromovsky. Okay. Um, other options are back to America and back to England. Ideally, I'd like to stay in Germany and it's looking like that's where I'm going to be. Um. I've made a lot of friends over there, you know, and I'm, I'm comfortable over there at this stage. You know, I've been there now the last 12 months and I'd look forward to going back there. And that's where the Ilbe fight is happening also, you know. Mm. So if I'm to beat him and stay over there, I'm sure there'll be a lot more bigger fights come in that area. I suppose that is such a massive hub for boxing in Europe. Like it is kind of the continental hub, like all the big fights uh, where it would always take, if they were in Europe, if, they, if not in the UK, then they're always in, in Germany. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the couple of offers that I've have, you know, contracts and that, the, the best deal for me is Germany. You know, the, the big there's some big promoters there and I was kind of clueless to it before I'd went over there. But I've been over there now and I know what's the setup and that's why I'd like to go back there, you know, if I'm to get a, a good deal and a good setup when I go again, it's, go, it's going to be back in Germany. Tell us now the, the short to medium term plan because obviously that's not going to happen likely. I mean... Look, we three of the counties have just been locked down around Ireland, so the chances of having fights is probably not until at least twenty twenty one, if not the summer of twenty twenty one, by the time everything gets sorted. So, for a guy that's so used to kind of onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto the next thing, what's the plan now? Have you any kind of plan, or are you still kind of taking it as it comes for the next couple of weeks? Yeah. So when I come home, I'm looking in the sense that I've got my own gym. Um, I'm happy to keep training, back training with my dad. You know, back to my roots, and I do my couple of private sessions every week you know, Monday to Friday in the gym, you know, take people in there, train, it passes my days, and, and I'm quite comfortable doing that, you know, I enjoy it, it's something that I really enjoy, and I don't know what i do without that now, to be honest, but the gym will keep me busy, it'll pass a couple of months, Um, yeah, this virus, it doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon, and it's affected a whole lot of people a lot worse than me, so I've got not much to complain about, really, I get back in the gym, training people, the months will go by sooner rather than later, and we'll get back to the drawing board and go again. Brilliant, Dylan. Um, thanks a minute for coming in. It's always a pleasure to have you in. Um, really glad to hear the deal baiting is still yeah. there, even though it's it's shelved for the moment. And uh, look, if people want to come down to you, if people want to get a, a class with you down in your gym, where can they, where can they get yeah, you? Yeah, of course. Just drop me a message, message on social media and we can start it out. All welcome, no problem at all. Tracking sport across the southeast. Finally, a better story to finish with the news that WIT are announcing a new eSports scholarship for the upcoming year. It makes the college the first in the country to include eSport in its scholarship scheme with brand new facilities at the Wade Arena to be in place for the country's top gamers. I spoke with the launch event to Derek Cunningham of Ireland eSports, but first Aidan Boylan from Ireland Collegiate eSports. 
This is a big day for us. This is kind of a big representation of where we want to be and where we want the future to hold for colleges across the country. So very happy to be part of it and it's been a great day so far. Dara, just from, a, from Ireland eSports side point of things, I suppose, again, uh, like I said, Aidan, it's, a, it's just a, a case of showing how you know, people are taking this seriously and now colleges on board are hoping that other colleges might follow suit as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a force of its kind in Ireland, and it's extremely innovative and dynamic by Waterford IT to, to bring this to the, to the fore, and we hope that more will follow. Uh, in terms of the recognition perspective, Ireland Esports, for example, is, rec is recognised by the Global Esports Federation, um, and we are looking at international recognitions. We would hope that we are working towards national recognition as well, but uh, that, that will be a process um, in terms of convincing Ireland that... that um, recognition for esports in general in the sports field uh, is worthy and uh, we're working on that process at the moment um, where's the potential for esports in ireland the potential is off the scales if we look at uh, the global figures for esports we're talking 2.2 billion players uh, we're talking an industry that, bring, that brings in over 400 billion a year and uh, this is this is a massive industry what it means for ireland um is is essentially off the scale ireland in terms of uh, tech uh, has eight of the biggest tech companies in the world based in the Dublin Docklands alone. Um, but when we look at where EA have uh, head offices in Galway and things like that. Um, so in terms of Ireland being an esports hub of, of the world, it, the, 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 the potential is off scale. Yeah, I suppose as well, you know, you have PUBG, which is one of the biggest massive multiplayer online games in the last decade. So for that to be developed in Ireland, it shows that definitely there's, there's a, there is a history of esports here, even though it might necessarily be shown on a, a mainstream scale yet. Yeah, I think the phrase has been used is that it's not a very mature scene. It's an extremely active scene, and people like Aidan here in the Irish Collegiate Esports have been going for a really long time and doing incredible work with the people who are, who are already involved. Um, I think what we need to see now is to have that um, on a bigger scale. And I think, again, working with Ireland Esports, WIT through this scholarship and uh, progressing with Irish Collegiate, we'll start to see greater, greater pathways and greater uh, structures around uh, bringing that to fore. Um, Aidan, we were talking about there about uh, Georgia South and some of the things that they're doing over there. Um, taking their example, what do you think can be learned in terms of here and what do you think is the possibility to kind of things that we could be doing to help esports uh, college players in Ireland? So we, we, the likes of Georgia Southern, they're, they're very ahead of, ahead of the game in terms of development in the eSports program. They're, very, some, they're a college you could definitely look towards in terms of where to go, where to develop, and, and what areas to focus on, the likes of getting their own kind of practice area and arena set up, which is obviously something uh, WIT can do, and it's kind of an area of, of, of great focus, I'd imagine, um, going forward. And I suppose, Aidan, just, and, and from, this goes to both of you guys because I suppose we've kind of really seen an explosion of esports, particularly in the last couple of months with the coronavirus. A lot of people are, you know, even from a personal perspective, I do a lot of racing, uh, sim racing, which is, so you've seen a huge amount of crossover. Um, so, I mean, how important, as difficult as it's been for everybody, how beneficial has this time been for the esports scene? Because I imagine it's the amount of new players that have come in, we've even just talked about the stats there, must have been huge. Um, in the area of the, kind of, with the relation to coronavirus, it's actually been a, a propelling forward for ourselves because we didn't have to shut down the way regular sports did. Everything, like you said, with a lot of crossover, a lot of new people coming into the space because we could keep going, we could keep developing, and we could keep our plans going ahead. And um, it's, just, it's, been, it's been beneficial for the most part, and uh, we hopefully won't uh, let everything else can get back on, on track soon, but for us it's been great. 
I think you're going to see a completely different landscape in terms of how esports is integrated into traditional sports as well as esports. So I think, yes, esports hopefully within the next 10 years will be completely recognized. I think there's no secret that it's going to be in the Olympics. Uh, it's, it's certainly heading that way. And by 2028, we expect that it will be in Los Angeles. Uh, what I think you're going to see in 10 years' time is esports integrated into nearly every other sport. As you just mentioned there, with regards to cycling, cyclists have seen the, the opportunities with regards to Swift. I don't think that's going to go away. We've had calls and we've had, we, we, we've spoken to some of the major traditional sports in Ireland over the last few months in terms of lockdowns and in terms of how can they utilize esports for the betterment of their sport and their members. And that's what I think esports brings that other sports perhaps were lacking in that terms of uh, connection and connectivity and collaboration between esports and traditional sports. And finally, to start, sorry, I know I've held you long enough, but Aidan was talking there about the kind of catalytic effect of this current virus because, as you say, there's so many traditional sports have now gotten in contact with you. Um, that relationship going forward, how important is, it, is that in terms of, uh, you know, getting esports on the mainstream scene? And what do you think at the moment, a double bar question, um, at the moment is kind of the biggest hurdle for you guys in terms of going forward? Uh, funny, probably probably both connected. I think the biggest hurdle is the is, is Irish society and the acceptance of, of new things, accepting that esport is a is a is a sport and it's here to stay. And I think that's probably the, the, the most important thing. Esports is going nowhere. To fight against it and bury your heads in sand and ignore it and try to ignore it uh, would be folly. What Ireland needs to do now is accept esports, accept that it's here, and try to take the benefits and the advantages from there and progress that in a, in a meaningful way. Sports Beat Extra. Beat 102-103. And thus wraps up another sporting week here at Beat. You can listen back to the show by visiting beat102103.com forward slash podcasts. But up next is Trish to get a stunning Saturday evening underway with Beat Anthems.